like I'm suggesting sharp objects and I'm suggesting succession. I am not suggesting Lodge 49. It was just something I, you know, popped on and don't. If you're hate. unemployed like I was for a really long time and just praying for things to get you through the day, Lodge 49, baby. <laughs> That's probably the best promo for it I've heard all year. Welcome to episode 9 of Burritos and Other Less Important Things. I'm Chris in San Diego. I'm here with my co-host, Zach, and he's in New York. How you doing? Uh, I'm just here to mess up your intros, and it seems like that's going off pretty well. So, <laughs> starting off strong as per usual. Um, we were very, very close to having a guest for you tonight, our, uh, our dear friend John Smokowitz, but uh, he had a prior engagement, so we will uh, we will have to have his... Um, soon to be expletive laden rants uh, at another week. So, so wait, I literally this entire time thought you were talking about your old roommate, John. So <laughs> that would have been a really big surprise for me. <laughs> oh man, how long would it have taken you to notice? Uh, as soon as the video came up, <laughs> like that, video yeah, call. <laughs> <laughs> I know what they both look like. <laughs> If that one didn't tip you off, that would have been an issue. <laughs> all right, well, that's exciting, well, too. <laughs> all Johns are welcome on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> God. Uh, good good start. <laughs> Perfect start. So, you know, in a, in a break from tradition, we're going to be talking about TV, music, and some movies um, on this podcast. Uh, to start off, I think let's dip into TV because that's kind of what I have been consuming the most of out of those three recently. Yeah, just um, to uh, just to preface, I went on vacation two weeks ago and also took a vacation from watching anything, listening to anything productive toward this podcast. So I'm kind of just riding shotgun while Zach talks a lot about a lot of stuff and I have minor things to add along the way. So the first thing you actually do have insight on, which is which is nice, and All that's right, cool. um, and that's that's Better Call Saul. All right, uh, let's talk about this for an hour, which is which is probably airing as we speak, or at least on the East Coast. So, um, it is one of, if not my favorite show out currently. Um, it is a spinoff of Breaking Bad, as most of you know, and it is on its fourth season. I think episode three is tonight. Um, when it started a, a couple of years ago, I had medium hopes for it. I was excited to go back into the world of Breaking Bad. We're both very big Breaking Bad fans. Um, I think you're currently in the midst of a rewatch, right? Yep. Like midway through season two, spoiler for Breaking Bad for those who haven't watched, I just got past the episode where Jane dies. Man, you're spoiling 10 year old TV shows right off the bat. Yeah, well, I do know a lot of people who haven't seen Breaking Bad, and just shame on you. But Yeah, I, I mean, so as someone who has never seen Game of Thrones, I don't 
expect people to not spoil Game of Thrones like season one and two <laughs> or whatever. Like, fair. It's my fault. Like at this point, I I do respect spoilers for new and ongoing shows. We won't be talking about anything in too much detail for for Better Call Saul. We'll talk more generally. We might touch on some spoilery things in season three, but we will give you a, a decent amount of warning um, before that. But um, for for both of us, you know, Breaking Bad is one of, if not our favorite shows, and and you know, Vince Gilligan and I think Peter Gould created a, a TV show with incredibly compelling characters, and and you know, Jimmy um, was up there. You know, Saul Goodman and, and Jimmy McGill were were you know interesting characters, but I never thought, man, I really wish I had a spinoff show for just. Saul Goodman. Um, yeah, but it somehow an, worked. It's an interesting idea. I mean, if you had asked me who would you want to see a spinoff of, I would have given you, like, oh, I want that backstory of Mike and Gus, probably. I want to see how that came about. I want to see the whole the the whole cartel thing going on, and they've woven that into this show, but I for sure didn't think, oh yeah, I want to watch, like, a a courtroom procedural with Jimmy McGill. Yeah, you you don't want to watch uh, uh, Elder Law with Jimmy McGill, <laughs> which is somehow super interesting. I know, and yeah, it's a show that you know they they had the best writers and they had the best showrunners and they had you know AMC putting their their weight behind it, but it is way better than it has any right to be. Um, the new characters that they've added, um, Kim Wexler is is the love interest played by Rhea Seahorn, and she is incredible. Um, such yeah. an incredible new character. Uh, We're looking at a potential Emmy winner this for this season already. Two episodes in, yeah, she had a she has a fantastic scene in in season two with uh, Howard Hamlin, the head of the law firm, with uh, with Jimmy's brother Chuck. Um, who you may recognize as one of the two male nurses who uh, Monica and uh, Rachel ask out on dates in like season eight of Friends. Yeah, no, no, that that <laughs> reference right by me. Um, played by Patrick Fabian and uh, Chuck, Jimmy's brother, is played by uh, Michael McKean. Uh, they also go into Mike Ermintrout's story. Uh, they go into the cartel story, um, focusing on Nacho, who has a what? He doesn't have a role in Breaking Bad. He's just spoken about once, no. right? I, I think he may have been mentioned. Yeah. Um, so it is, you know, the vast majority of characters are new characters, but they have managed to tie into the Breaking Bad universe really well, but without being overly referential you know so speaking of referential i did have a funny moment uh i was watching the most recent two episodes uh after watching one episode of breaking bad and in breaking bad they make reference to the movie white heat and in the episode of Better Call Saul that I watched immediately after that. They made a reference to the movie White Heat. Uh, it was it was a Saul reference. So clearly these writers have like these little cheeky things that they're putting in there that 
little Easter eggs that you may not notice, but uh, it's very fun to watch those two shows kind of in parallel. Yeah, and I think Better Call Saul is, while it started good, it didn't get great until middle of season two, season three. Um, I, I think, not to interrupt you, but I think what I've heard from a lot of people is that they started watching Better Call Saul, lost complete interest, and then some people have been slowly coming back to it since they've heard good things. And I think it's beneficial to watch the whole thing, but I also think it totally works as just like jumping right back in. Maybe not this season, but last season. You know, when you were watching Breaking Bad week to week, there was usually a major thing that happened. You know, it's it's a movie about drug dealers and murder and, and all that. And, you know, there were there were big moments that happened very often. This is not that show. It is a character drama set in the Breaking Bad universe. So naturally, it's going to be a lot slower. Yeah. Um, and some people, you know, that's not their thing. They want more drugs and, and a bit more action with each episode. But I'm totally fine with some, a montage of, Jimmy McGill trying on a bunch of weird looking suits and uh, trying to get fired from his his law job, you know. I'm yeah. I'm all in for that. Yeah, I I think it's more exciting that they didn't retread, uh, try and do the same exact thing for a second time, and that they decided they wanted to do something different because it's really interesting to see what these showrunners and writers and directors can do with similar landscape but completely different ideas and different uh themes and moods so one of the smartest things that they did is they had the opening shot of the opening episode take place after breaking bad so that is when um Saul Goodman is hiding from the cops after the end of of breaking bad he is in Iowa working as a manager of a Cinnabon, and he clearly does not have the best life. Um, so they they set this show, at least part of it, and they've gone back to it at the start of each season opener, to be like, look, he exists past Breaking Bad. That world might still change, and I think that was a good framing for the show. Um, I think they did a really smart job with that, and they've revisited it, so you're not just thinking okay, this is going to end when Breaking Bad starts. Yeah, to jump off that, I think we mentioned this in the previous episode. Um, the thing that prequels struggle with sometimes is keeping interest in what's happening because you already know what happens beyond. And they've, to go back to what you said, they've introduced such interesting new characters that we care so much about what happens to them, even though we know that these characters aren't going to end up being part of the end game of Breaking Bad or of whatever happens after Breaking Bad. But there's this inevitable heartbreak that's going to happen for the viewers watching these characters either die or give up on Jimmy or whatever happens. And it's really interesting to care about these characters that are not going to be in our lives for much longer. Kim is not in Breaking Bad at all. And she is such a, you know, important force for, for who Jimmy's character is and what keeps him grounded. You just, you know, you're kind of watching every episode with a sense of dread, you know, thinking, is this the episode where it falls apart for them? Because, 
their relationship is incredible in this show, you know, just the depth and the way they work off each other and everything. And the fact that she's trying to be good, but will, you know, appease some of Jimmy's slipping Jimmy's kind of aversions with the law. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Hamlin, you know, when he, when he was first introduced as like the asshole man or the asshole, uh, former boss that hates Jimmy and wants to keep it, him down and the slow reveal of him being a pretty decent guy and his brother Chuck kind of being the negative force in his life was a was a good reveal that I think worked really well and, and shows a lot for for uh, Jimmy's character. Yeah. And I, it's a weird show to watch because... It's like Breaking Bad in the sense that you have this character in the beginning that you're thinking, oh, I should be rooting for this guy. And then you slowly come to realize that, okay, this guy isn't really someone I should be rooting for. But we already knew that coming in. So somehow the showrunners still got us to like this guy, Jimmy McGill, even though we know what a slime ball he is. And... I don't know. I still, I still feel like I kind of am rooting for him, even though I know where it's going. I mean, right now he's he's still trying to do good things, and that's where you know Walt lost it. You know, like you mentioned, he kills Jane in the second season. Jimmy hasn't killed anyone yet. The worst thing he did was like make people hate an old lady, which he immediately feels terrible for. And, you know, it, it's so affecting that, you know, you can feel such negative opinions about Jimmy for for not killing someone as you did for Walt, who killed a lot of people. <laughs> you know? Um, I'm just happy the Mike storyline has been... They kind of addressed some of his cop back uh, backstory that was the in... The backstory Bad. about his son is really really awesome Mm -hmm. very formative Uh, to to who he is and and why he does things and it it makes his relationship with his granddaughter so much more special yes and and his um and his daughter or no his uh daughter-in-law yeah Uh, um but also getting to see lydia rodart quail again is awesome just as neurotic (laughs) as always Laura Fraser's amazing. Uh, it's hard to believe when you watch her that in real life she has this thick Scottish accent because she puts on the perfect, like, neurotic Westerner, like, California person, I guess, uh, accent, and it's it's wonderful. The only, the only characters from Breaking Bad that have entered this world that I don't love... Um, and I think this is now kind of the worst part of Breaking Bad are the twins. They're they're, they're a little too funny. cartoony for the world. They're they're funny, but like they shouldn't be. Yes, and they kind of made sense in the in the Breaking Bad world, but looking back on it, I think they're kind of the weakest part. You yeah, know? like guys carrying a an axe sharpened enough to cut through asphalt like 
come on, man. Wear it with like skulls on the tips of his boots. It's a little comic book villain. Yeah, they were they were the comic book villains of the show that didn't need a comic book villain. When it has Gus Fring, who is like terrifying and calculating, you don't need, you know, henchman goon ultra villain. Uh, and to see them in this world that's a lot more grounded is a little eye rolly. I thought it was, Hector. It was off putting. Yeah. Hector Salamanca is great. You know, he's the older dude losing a little bit of footing in the cartel, threatening. That made sense. The uh, actor Tuco who made plays sense. him. The actor Mark who Margolis. plays Hector. Yeah, he can't, he can't speak Spanish at all, which is a little distracting in the really? early going. You didn't notice? Like, he's awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't speak any Spanish, so no. Oh, I mean, I don't really either, but I hear it enough. Yeah, you you do live in San Diego. <laughs> About as geographically uh, close to Mexico as you can get without being in Mexico. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the twins are the only thing that are a little weird about the Breaking Bad universe shifting into this. And, like, you haven't seen Walt or Jesse. You know, there's no near connection to them yet and i'm fine with that i don't want them to pop up you know i want francesca made me weirdly happy like when she showed up (laughs) and she's such a minor role you know uh she was she was really great in in breaking bad just as the the secretary just had enough of just over all of it and you get to watch this transformation from her being this like bright-eyed bushy-tailed like, yes, you know, you know, I'll do anything. Yeah, and then you can see her getting over it. Um, do you want to talk about some spoilers for the end of Season 3 um, and Season 4 for a couple minutes? Yeah, sure. Uh, spoiler so, alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't well, listen to this if you haven't watched Season's end of Season 3, uh, beginning of Season 4 of Better Call Saul. Yeah, we will timestamp you insert here when you can Probably listen again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll play, a, I'll play a loud beeping noise for three. like 15 seconds for when we're over with it. Uh, so Chuck's death at the end of season three is uh, is something that has very clearly weighed on Jimmy. But once he gets his out when Hamlin says, I think I did this, he's like, yep, sure, I'll take that out. I don't want the guilt anymore. You can have it all. That um, that cut to Kim, like, double-taking when he said that was brilliant. Yeah. Like, because w- she, she knew that even if he wasn't responsible for any of it, which obviously he tipped off the insurance company about, about Chuck's condition, um she knew that he would blame himself at least a little bit, but outwardly, at least he's pretending like he doesn't blame himself at all. It's, it's a weird dynamic because then she has that scene in season or episode two where she, you know, lays into Howard. Um, Cause she's, you know, she's very fiercely loyal to, to Jimmy right that now. It might've like, been my favorite scene of this show so far. Um, I still think Michael McKean breaking down in the, uh, in Mm. the courtroom is up there. Yeah. uh, In chicanery. That's a, Uh, that's a good scene for multiple reasons too, though. The, uh, the filming and the editing in that scene was pretty perfect. 
Yeah, the the slow zoom in on his face as he's getting yeah. crazier and the slow pull out as he's, you know, coming back to sanity. Yeah. Um, You've corrected me. Also, You're right. Also in in that episode, the fact that you get to see Gus terrifying again is uh, is welcome. Yeah. You know, hog tying and, and suffocating a dude to death, you know. It's about as close as you can get to the the razor cutter again. So I was going to say, it's a weird juxtaposition seeing Victor in that scene as he is the one who is the victim of that box cutter. Um, him being the intimidator during that scene for Nacho and the other guy whose name I don't know. Um, and you won't need to anymore. Yeah, because he's dead. Uh is it's funny because Victor goes on to make his own mistake and gets punished to the <laughs> highest degree for it. Um, I I think Nacho's storyline this season is going to be just one where you're you're on the edge of the seat for every one of his scenes. Well, yeah, because Victor saw him dropping the pills off the edge and Gus, Told Gus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, you know he's not in he's not in the next season, so any episode could be his last. I did not know he wasn't in the last in the next season. Thank you for ruining. Oh no 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 me. no no no. He, sorry, he's not in the next. He's not in Breaking Bad. Is what I meant to say. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. I, first of all, I think that character is brilliantly acted. I don't. I'm not sure what the actor's name is, um, but really like how he's played that character. I think it's perfectly cast. Um, he's very tight like his facial like expressions are all like he's gritting his teeth through most of it it feels like he's he has this interesting ability to be both intimidating and affecting like he has these scenes with his father where he's very like family oriented and he's trying to you know make a relationship with with his father happen but i'm i'm just like really good emotional range it's you know every actor in this show has been has been great you know there's not one where it's like oh man they added that new character that i don't really love you yeah. know i think it and that speaks it speaks to both i mean obviously the actors in the show, but it speaks to the casting and the writing and directing. Uh, it's just such a trustworthy group. I, I trust them to bring in whoever they want to, to do their job correctly and to follow the direction. And it's a good show. Very good show. Yeah. There haven't been any storylines there were some in season one that weren't amazing, but since season two started, there hasn't been like a B plot or anything that I've been like, Oh God, you know, back to these scenes again. Like we got a, we got a, a scene in episode one where Mike just breaks into a warehouse and does security checks for the entire five minutes. That was hilarious. It's great. Um, and so having that back, I don't know. When Mike is the comedic relief, you know it's an interesting show. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, we probably after, talked about Better Call Saul enough. Unless after, you have one more yeah. thing to add. No, no, no. Uh, I was just saying, after we finish recording this, I'm going to go watch the episode. It's going to be great. <laughs> Spoilers over. Spoilers over. Uh, um, so the other show that I have been keeping up on has been Sharp Objects, the uh, HBO show based off a book by the same name by what Gillian Flynn, Gillian I Flynn, believe. Gillian Flynn, um, and stars Amy Adams. It's a murder mystery show set in a fictional Midwestern town. Amy Adams is a reporter brought back to solve some murders of some young women, and she has some issues herself. and And it's a it's a very slow brooding show um, that has I think it's only eight episodes. It's only a one season order. They're just doing the book as an eight episode miniseries, and that's it. They're not revisiting it later, so you kind of know that you know it was just episode seven. So like the next episode is the final episode, no matter what. Um, and it's kind of nice to watch a show like that again. Um, Amy Adams is unsurprisingly incredible in it. Uh, it has, so there have been seven episodes. I've really enjoyed six of them. And I thought one was just totally useless as an episode, which is a weird, like it's, you know, it was six really, really good episodes. And one that was just like, why is this here? Everything else was so good. Uh, but it's something I would definitely recommend. Um, the season finale is on Sunday, so I think everything is on HBO. Um, yeah, I'm probably just so. gonna wait for that and then burn through all eight in one weekend. Um, mm-hmm. if there's one thing that anyone should know about me, it's uh. Uh, there's probably a lot of other things you should know about me before you know that I love Amy Adams and I'll watch anything with her in it. But that is one thing you should know about me. And, uh, yeah, I, we were watching Barry, I believe, and that promo came up for Sharp Objects, and I was like, yep, in on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching that. It's it's a deliberately slow show, um, so it may not be for everyone, you know, through seven of the eight episodes, not a ton of things have happened. It's kind of just slow and and you're discovering things along with the characters, you know. There's not really any that are ahead of you or behind you. You kind of know everything as soon as the characters do, and I haven't watched a show like that in a while. Uh, and there are some great visuals in it. Um, some fantastic acting, and it's just... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see these very very high profile actors come back to TV to do these kind of singular season arcs, um, like True Detective being some of the you know the biggest name brands of that. It makes a lot of sense to me though, because no no movie actor or actress wants to get roped in for five seasons of something, but moving to a medium like TV where especially on HBO or something like that where it's going to be high production you know you're going to get your money's worth out there uh 
for a short run like that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I hope it continues more because it's it's more interesting than a lot of the movies that these actors or actresses are taking. Um, and I think it's you know with Netflix being so uh, heavily involved monetarily, I, I mean they're gonna put out a bunch. Did you see the trailer for the Jonah Hill and uh, Emma Stone uh, TV show? I, uh, the name is slipping me right now. But it looks fucking weird, and I'm happy that those two people are in it, you know? Is is it a uh, sequel to Superbad? No, but uh, it's it's ever so slightly different. Uh, hold on, let me, let me look it up. Maniac is the name of it. Um, and it's, Haven't even heard like, of it. Test subjects in a uh, drug trial of sorts, um, and it seems seems great. I couldn't... You know, it comes out in a couple months, and I'm gonna binge through it as soon as it comes out, like yeah. like one does, as as one in our position would. Um, so excited for that! Uh, the other thing I binged pretty much straight through was uh, Succession, another HBO show, uh, which is something I didn't really want to like, and because it's about rich white people being mad at other rich white people. Um, and where does that happen? Uh, never. And it's, it's basically the Murdoch empire, the TV show. Uh, the guy basically runs Fox news, uh, in the Fox empire, but it's, it's, it finds its step. Um, the first three episodes are okay. I think, I think episode five, it really kicks off. It's 10 episodes. And the last five, I was like, very ready to watch the next one each time. Um, the characters are cartoony without being outlandish. Um, you can kind of see how money would, would allow them to act in this way kind of thing. Um, and it's, it, it was really freaking good. You know, I, uh, I wasn't expecting it, but it was damn good. Um, and also the, theme song is 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 a jam which is a which is again not something you'd expect succession is next on the list followed by sharp objects in that order um just as an exercise i'd kind of be interested in watching billions if i ever had the time and comparing it to succession uh because i've heard mixed reviews on billions in terms of its artistic merits but i've heard it's wildly entertaining how so uh just like popcorn watching not like wow that's good directing and good writing just like this is interesting and fun to watch gotcha i haven't had one of those shows in a while where same it'd be kind of nice to revisit something like that is that on what showtime i think it's showtime I, I can't remember if I've ever watched a Showtime show. You have, uh, at least for a little while. You watched Dexter? Oh, yeah. I think I made it two and a half seasons in. I've watched a shocking amount of Showtime shows. I watched uh, Shameless for a while. I watched Californication. I watched House of Lies. Um... 
and Dexter. And I think I've probably Did watched you watch a all of Dexter. No, uh, I watched through season seven, skipped season eight, then live texted you my reading of every oh, that's right. recap of all the episodes leading up to the finale, and then I watched the finale. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Because I was I was out on it by that point. Oh, for um, sure. I, I, I've heard that there's a season with John Lithgow that's very good. Yes, that was season four, I believe. Um, yeah, it was a it was a very like psychological kind of deep season of that show, um, f- following one of the worst seasons of television ever made. <laughs> so <laughs> it was good to get yeah. that back. Yeah, that show was. Uh was very up and down. Yeah, it was a um, uh, so basically John Lithgow played like a another serial killer who figured out that Dexter was a serial killer and was like playing games with them and stuff and it was very uh, interesting. Uh, gotcha. And with a huge like twist at the like literally last 10 seconds of the season. Damn. Yeah. Um well, maybe Maybe I'll watch that one season. I would I would recommend that one season of Dexter. It's a it was a pretty intense one. Gotcha. Um so the other the other thing I started watching yesterday actually was Lodge forty nine. It's the show that comes on after um Better Call Saul. White stars, Russell baby. Yeah, it stars White Russell, the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Which is So you know it's good. He was great in Playtest, the one, uh, the one the Black, Black Mirror, Mirror episode, episode he did. He's um, really good in uh, Ingrid Goes West. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's so it's a show about a dude down on his luck and trying to make it in life, and it's not about a ton. You know, there's a mysterious secret society, but not mysterious in the way that you normally think of mystery. Um, it's kind of got some quirks, but it's not like this grand intrigue about it. Um, and it's not about a ton, but it's very relatable just being like, yeah, I got a bunch of loans and trying my best. It's kind of a fuck up, but tries really hard. And, and it's, um, it's interesting. I don't love it, but I find myself clicking next, you know, at the end of an episode. So it's, it's worth a shot. You're kind of either going to like it or you're not. Um, or you might and, medium it. Yeah, you might medium it and give <laughs> up and, and that'll be that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Let me just say I'm not in on it. Not for any particular reason, just because I don't have enough time for a show that I may or may not like. Totally fair. And, yeah, it's not something that I... Like, I'm suggesting Sharp Objects, and I'm suggesting Succession. I'm not suggesting Lodge 49. It was just something I, you know, popped on and don't If you're hate. unemployed like I was for a really long time and just praying for things to get you through the day, Lodge 49, baby. <laughs> That's probably the best promo for it I've heard all year. <laughs> um, and the fact that if you watch Better Call Saul, it's on right after, so you don't have to change the channel. It's so convenient. You just have to, like, stay on your couch. <laughs> Yeah. Don't even have to get up uh, and get the remote. 
the the last thing I've been watching is another HBO product, which is uh, which is Hard Knocks, featuring the uh, Owen sixteen Cleveland Browns, a team I begrudgingly love, uh, <laughs> and it is a. It's it's an interesting look inside the team. Um, so I I am not a strict follower of Hard Knocks. I will turn it on every once in a while. Um, but the fact that it's the team I root for uh, makes it interesting. Um, and the Browns are a, a beautiful tire fire, so it, it definitely makes for uh, good television. So uh, I don't know. Baker Mayfield's great. Miles Garrett's great. Tyrod Taylor is like the most professional human being that's ever walked this earth. Uh, and um, Hugh Jackson is a weird fucking dude. It's <laughs> <laughs> about all I can say about it. Uh, it's well worth a watch if you like football and, and like seeing a, a sort of disaster. I'm always down for a sort of disaster. Um, um yeah, that's that's it. I haven't been watching much in terms of TV. Just been doing the the Breaking Bad rewatch. Um, Anything you picked up on that? On a, I on mean, a rewatch? I've rewatched it. This is like number six for me, so I'm probably not going to pick up anything new. But if I do, I'll let you know. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I haven't I haven't rewatched it in a while. Um, I probably do it every couple of years. Yeah, the the one thing that I forgot happened is the uh, is the plane crash. You forgot about the plane crash? Because when I think about Breaking Bad as like pivotal moments, that for some reason doesn't come into my head. It's, yeah, like I mean, the to twins, me, it's a little cartoony. To me, Breaking Bad doesn't really get started until. I mean, it like it starts being very interesting very early if you're into the shows that we're into but Mm -hmm. for a lot of people it takes until like season two episode seven to really get into it and i guess like a lot of people really were thrown by that twist ending like quote-unquote twist ending of season two where the plane crash happens and me i was just like oh that's it and then season three is really where the show starts for me like every episode ends on a cliffhanger and it's like, what is happening? I guess I got to keep watching. There are are some seed episodes in the first few seasons that are really good and some good ideas, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Oh, for sure. Which is why you have to watch the whole thing. It's, you don't just start on season three and then watch the rest of it because in season one, episode one, they're laying the groundwork for uh, Walt's relationship with Hank, where he's like, why is this brother-in-law of mine trying to, be my son's like de facto father figure and uh, it just it sets up this whole dynamic that like very early on that this character has these really deep issues that are gonna come back and end up destroying him turns out it's a well-written show yeah weird i mean my rewatch show at the moment uh is mad men because I'm a creature of habit. So that one is also still very, very good. I'm uh, I'm also rewatching Game of Thrones, but not like by my own personal choices, just both my roommates are going through it, so and I, I really I really like that show, so I'm always down to to dig into it. 
I I'm not like a lot of people with that show where I think everyone should have to watch it because it's so great. I think it's the story is very good and I really like the books. Um, it's a fun show if you haven't read the books to try and figure out what's going to happen based on like these little clues uh, that are really well laid out through through the show. But um, other than that, like if you don't really enjoy solving mysteries in your shows, which is why I really wanted to get into Westworld. I think that that's what Westworld was going for. But um, if you're not really into that, then it's probably not your thing. And especially if you're not really into like medieval fantasy, <laughs> probably not your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big um, medieval fantasy guy, but uh, I will say though, yeah. that most of the early seasons of that show are uh, like a political drama. So I think like if there's one, in for you it would be that yeah i mean i i could definitely see myself enjoying that aspect of it um the whole dragons thing is a little less for me it doesn't become a dragons thing until like season four so gotcha um do you want to talk about some music i've been listening to <laughs> sure let's run through it pretty quickly because i don't have anything to say about it <laughs> gotcha <laughs> And so I'm selfish. The, the only album that has come out between the last uh, time we recorded the podcast that I've really um, taken is uh, is the new Mitski album, um, "Be the Cowboy." Uh, she has, I think, put out five albums, but really only hit it big with her last record, "Puberty 2. Um, which is she is very solid album title. Uh. So her kind of M.O. are these two, two and a half minute songs. Um, and they're all very good, but you get into them and then they end. And it's this weird album that every song is very good on it. And I want some of them to be longer, but I, I kind of appreciate their brevity in nature, you know, because, you know, We've talked about music a couple times, I think. Um, yeah, maybe. You you know I enjoy some longer songs uh, from time you, to time. You like you some six to nine minute songs that build. Sure do. But, I mean, this album is, what, 14, 15 tracks long in half an hour? I thought it was 18, but that may have just been my cursory look. Hold on. It is 14 tracks long. Yep, I just misread it. Um, and it's, it's really good. It starts off strong with one of, if not her best song that I've heard, which is, uh, which is Geyser. It was one of the lead singer singles. Um, and yeah, she is a incredible vocalist, great guitarist and, and can write both a ballad and a hook incredibly well. So I would definitely recommend, uh, that album. Uh, the other album that's not quite out yet, but they've released like five or six songs off of it, is the Big Red Machine album, which I believe is self-titled. Um, and that's a project of Justin Vernon of Bon Iver and one of, if not both, of the Desners of The National. Um, they have the collaborative project called People, I think. It's some, you know, generic-ass bullshit name. Uh, People, man. Right? <laughs> but they've released a, 
they've released a couple songs from it, and it's it's really fucking good. Um, it's it's very it's it's a little volcano choiry, which is another one of Boney Bear's side projects um, or Justin Vernon's side projects, um, and it's a little bit of Lizendorf, which is the Desner side project. Um, Quick, what's your favorite uh, Justin Vernon side project? Oh, it's definitely um, uh, it's definitely Volcano Choir. Okay, it's not like gangs. gangs. I, I like gangs, <laughs> um, but Volcano Choir is is pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah, so they released five songs from it. All five are great. I think it's only nine songs, which I kind of hate that idea where you release five of nine songs from an album. So what I was going to say is if there's another thing that you should know about me, it's that I don't listen to songs released off of an album before the album comes out, unless it's like one single, like way out ahead of it. And I'm like really excited for the album and I just need a piece of it. Oh, I have no self-control. Cause I, well, I, I used to not. And then I would, get really sick of the songs that I was listening to off the album. Then by the time the album came out, it kind of ruined the album for me because like what would ostensibly be the best songs on the album are breaking up this album into like skips for me. Like, oh, I'm not listening to that song. I got to skip it. Cause I listened to it a hundred times before the album came out. It's yeah. I find myself falling into that pitfall, but um, yeah, like I said, zero self-control whatsoever so that's on me (laughs) (laughs) i will for sure listen to that one when it comes out because you know people involved with it people uh the last one i wanted to touch on very very briefly because i think it's only okay animal collective released the audio for a visual album called tangerine reef that might be the most pretentious thing oh, that has some, ever been said. It's some pretentious ass <laughs> bullshit. Um, it's one of those things. I, I read some comment or some review somewhere that was just like, "Yeah, this is playing it an art show in the background that you kind of notice but are fine ignoring." Um, and it's just weird to see a band that has had so many incredible albums um, just come out with a few in a row that have just not been not been all that worthwhile. Um, their their most recent project, I am blanking on the name of, uh, but was just, uh, which one was it? Painting With was just bad. And it, it's rare when a band you like and have had so many really good albums just comes out with an album that is bad and follows it up with an album that is kind of boring. Um, so... I hope they come back and make some interesting music again, but I'm not really excited for any of their more any more of their releases, but they can prove me wrong. So Yeah, it's kinda sad when you have a, a band that you've really liked for a long time that just suddenly is not interesting anymore. Um Animal Collective is not one of those for me. I just I've never really been a huge fan. I know you have for a really long time, but um just kinda reminds me of the shins betraying me this past or in 2017 uh releasing what i thought was their first bad album and i'm just kind of no longer excited for anything they're putting out oh that album was terrible 
I think there was, was like only one song bad. I actually thought was good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not a ton of music out right now, but I'm sure that will change with the end of the year push um, and all that fun stuff. Um, well, uh, because movie- well, personally, I'll I'll dive deeper on on 2018 albums, and we'll put together our our end of the year lists, and it'll be fun. Yes, but right now it's kind of the uh, kind of the dead zone. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of dead zones, because Movie Pass has been so fucked up, I haven't been seeing many movies. Um, there are a few I've wanted to see. I've heard Mission Impossible Six has been inc- was incredible. Um, uh, there were a few others that I'm blanking on right now that seemed good enough for me to go see it for free. But um, yeah, I've just been not seeing movies. Yeah, I uh, also haven't really gone out and seen any movies, uh, especially with the vacation recently. I wasn't like trying to go see movies or anything, but there there are a few things out there that I would like to see. I never actually ended up seeing the the new Jurassic World movie. I heard very mixed reviews on it, mostly bad. Um, but I'm down for anything with dinosaurs in it. Um, but when I was home for a little bit, I got back from my week in Lake Champlain and decided to just sit on the couch for an entire day because I don't get to do that anymore. And I watched all of the movies. I think I watched six movies in one day. Dear Lord. Yeah. Um, but among them were a weird group of high school and high school reunion movies that, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like a weird thing that I did during one day and, it was uh, it was like a, an interesting nostalgic experience. Plus, we have our ten year reunion coming up soon, and we're not going to talk about that at all. Um, but the movies I watched were "She's All That," "The Girl Next Door," "I Love You, Beth Cooper," which is basically a remake of "The Girl Next Door," and uh, "Gross Point Blank," which is the only movie I want to talk about here. Um, have you seen "Gross Point Blank"? Absolutely not. It is a movie where john cusack plays a hitman who goes back to his (laughs) goes back to his hometown for the first time in 10 years to uh carry out a hit on somebody at the same time that his 10-year reunion's happening and man it's it's something (laughs) oh god that's an elevator picture i would absolutely recommend that movie it's so weird yeah yeah all right what's it on is it on netflix or something uh i recorded it off of uh direct tv and uh press play on the dvr um it might be on like hbo or showtime or one of those platforms on demand not 100 percent sure but you probably find it somewhere i can figure it out um other than that, uh, the Indians beat the Red Sox tonight, which is nice. Son um, of a bitch. And uh, let's let's end on uh, a little little idea you had. Um, I don't have many to, of them, uh, so we, we gotta we gotta try them out when I have them. So this is a a, a little segment. Probably the the only time we'll do this, but it's it's embarrassing things that you unshamefully enjoy um 
that you you probably should shamefully enjoy them. <laughs> As Zach puts the cursor on <laughs> on my first thing. Uh, which, yeah. which is what, Chris? I unironically like the song Drops of Jupiter. <laughs> oh, God. That song comes... I have... I've put it on playlists, I have listened to it on my own, um, and I like it, and I'm not afraid to admit it, even though I probably should be. Are there any other train songs that you enjoy? Uh, Soul Sister? No, I hate that song. Uh, (laughs) I was was about to say, we're going to have a a different conversation. Uh, I also believe that's called Hey Soul Sister, so like, yeah, I don't want to get the title of the songs I hate wrong. Um, I actually did have a different train song stuck in my head today. Uh, I think they have a song called like taxi cab or something like that. And made me want to hurt myself. When did drop to Jupiter come out? Oh, that was like early two thousands. I think I want to say like 2002. It's that old. I would, I would guess like Oh six. No, you're 2001. right. 2001. Damn. Yeah. yeah. It's an old song. Weird. Um, yeah, so my first one is, I think we've probably mentioned it on the podcast, is uh, is Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, I've been to her concert, unironically. Um, I have her albums, unironically. Uh, I think she makes some great pop music. Um, it's catchy and fun and, and well-produced and like lacquered with 80 sound and yeah she's great so i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on this one a little bit because i think she's gained enough notoriety among the hipster group that it's no longer yeah it's no longer embarrassing to like carly ray jepson uh and also, like, when I was a senior in college and she came out with Call Me Maybe, like, everybody loved that song. So I don't really think anyone's, like, embarrassed to like Carly Rae Jepsen. I was uh, I was considering putting Paramore on this list, um, but... Since it's the same were, kind of thing. Yeah. The new album. They, yeah, kind of became hipster darlings. Like, that no longer means anything. Or how about this one? I think Timber is a great song. Oh, I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> that song is so bad. The the Kesha Pitbull mashup doesn't do it for you? Oh, it's please tell me you're not being serious right now. I sure am. Oh, I have a very specific memory of the first time I heard that song. I was in the car on the way to Atlantic City from Villanova, and everybody I was in the car with was jamming to this song that I had never heard before. And I was like, are people serious? Like, this is an actual song that's on the radio and people like it. Like, how is this possible? It's great. It's a great song. Uh, what's your second one? I very unironically like the band Foreigner. Um, they play some really solid, like, 70s and 80s jams. And I recently went and saw them in concert and enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, it kind of, it's, so I may be cheating a little bit cause it's not ironic, but I kind of started getting into them because it became kind of an inside joke in our friend group that anytime there's an eighties song that you didn't know who it was, who played it, it was foreigner. And 
I went out and bought one of their uh, greatest hits on vinyl, and it's a very consistent in rotation album for us on my turntable. Uh, hey, they got the jams, man. I I, I nothing foreigner, so I don't have much pushback here. Um, yeah, I I could never hear another foreigner song and not care. If I heard more foreigner songs, I probably wouldn't care either. <laughs> but yeah um my second one is i very much enjoy just about every item on the wendy's dollar menu um i know it's pretty terrible food and it's just like the chicken patties you got in middle school heated up for the chicken <laughs> sandwich with like the saddest piece of lettuce ever and like mayo from that tube gun um <laughs> Well, the chicken's but, from that tube gun, too. They just fry it. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, they cut it up into little nugget sections for the nuggets. And um, I don't know. It's just like if I'm on a road trip and we stop somewhere that has a Wendy's, it's like, all right, I'm getting seven items off of this and hating myself, but <laughs> I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know. I, I feel like in terms of fast food restaurants, I don't eat a lot of fast food. In terms of fast food restaurants, the ones that I most tolerate are probably like Wendy's and mm, Popeye's, I guess. Popeye's um, is great. Yeah, so. If, if we had my old roommate John on, he would have evangelized Popeye's. <laughs> Better than evangelizing Chick-fil-A. That is... <laughs> They already do it themselves. <laughs> so my number three, and I don't even know if this counts because I just think it's a really good movie, uh, is 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, so I, I think we have very similar ones in the aspect of mine. I think it's a very good movie and it's decently popular, uh, which is Pitch Perfect. Um, they both kind of fall in the same vein. So so go ahead and we can, we can argue our respective TV shows. Or okay. Movies. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, uh, JGL, and oh, who's who of like I recognize that guy from something. Um, and it's a Shakespeare movie. It's Taming of the Shrew. Uh, it's a high school movie to tie that back in with the like six movies I watched last week. Um, I don't know. I think it's a pretty, like it's hilarious. It's not like it's clever. It's not one of those like sappy movies. It's uh, I enjoy it. Plus uh, I watch it with my dad all the time because he claims he really likes the song at the end. And I think he just watches the whole movie and then claims he likes the song at the end to pretend like he didn't want to watch the whole movie. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, I've probably seen Pitch Perfect almost more than any other movie because my old roommate, Andrew Werblin, would, whenever it was on cable, would watch all of it. Um, so I've probably seen it 15 or 20 times. Wow. And that's not, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, it is... It's a good movie. I don't know. Um, there are some dumb aspects to it, and Pitch Perfect 2 and 3 are bad. Um but Pitch Perfect one, it's a it's a solid comedy. So my story with Pitch Perfect is, I 
had no real interest in it for a really long time. Like I have no real affinity for uh, acapella at all. Oh, um, I do, I do not like acapella. I actively dislike it. Yeah, and so I kind of just avoided it for a while. I, like I didn't actively avoid it, but I just I did never went out of my way to watch it. And then I heard a lot of people saying good things about it. And then my fantasy baseball league kind of just took hold of it and were actively promoting it. And, and then I saw it was on TV one day and I watched it and I was like, this, this is great. <laughs> I love this. It is. It is great. And then I, uh, immediately went and searched for the next showing of uh, pitch perfect two on TV so I could record it. And I watched it the next day. So, uh, so yeah, got into it. I'm not going to see pitch perfect three. I heard enough bad things about it that, which, I'm which out with, without going too deep dive into pitch perfect two, um, my favorite, favorite thing about that movie is when they have the international sing-off at the end. They have <laughs> they have it at this outdoor festival where they clearly only have about 150 people in the audience. <laughs> and they do some very creative cutting to try and make it look like there are a lot more people than there actually are. Somehow all but of them is... are from Canada and all of them are from also like Germany or wherever the other places. Yeah. It is... <laughs> It is, uh, it, it, they ran out of budget on that movie. My favorite part of that movie is just the Green Bay Packers showing up for no reason whatsoever. Oh, or the fact that they wrote out her love interest in like two sentences. Honestly, I didn't even notice that. Yep. I was, I was so disinterested in the actual storyline of that movie that. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> Pitch Perfect Three. Uh, I did not watch it. Andrew Roblin, who did, who does love those movies, um, hated it, and that's that's pretty hard for him to hate a uh, Anna Kendrick Pitch Perfect movie. So the the only opinion I got on it was through Instagram stories from Casey, and I watched enough of it there to know that I didn't want to watch it. And it's not necessary. So. Yeah, I think we'll we'll try we'll refigure this segment and and come back with a an ending on a list of three things that we either like or don't like or or uh, have issue with or surprisingly Un- unpopular love. opinions, two popular we, opinions. We we need more segments. Is medium what we're medium saying. popular opinions. Yeah, we we cut out our yeah. games for a while because I think we just kind of ran out of ideas for it. Plus, it's it's hard to put together. Yes, exactly, and that takes effort. And who wants effort? Um, if anybody of, wants to send, send if anybody wants to send in games for us to play, uh, just you know, find us on Twitter. You or probably Facebook have our or whatever. Number. Yeah, just if you're text, listening to this, text me. <laughs> you have <laughs> I'm our not number. Gonna, I'm not going to give out my number on the air, but yeah, just figure that out. Um, speaking of, let's end this so I can go watch uh, Better Call Saul. Okay, good idea. Uh, I'm going to go make dinner cause, and then go to West bed. West Coast. Because <laughs> I'm an old man. That that has not changed. Hey, I, uh, I, used to, I used to kick it with the youngsters back in the day. All right, and that'll be our show. Thank you for, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you at episode 10, hopefully with some uh, John Rants. Later. Doom, 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 doom,